Welcome to Mad Eye Durs. I'm your host, Sky Joyner. That's Sky S K Y, not Scott. And yes, while it is a girl's name, there's nothing girly about my love of ponies. Every week on Mad Eye Durs, we explore and then argue for an idea so dumb, so unreasonably lacking in any semblance of rational thought, that possibly, just maybe, it might work. Except it won't. Today's Mad Eye Durr, bring back the guillotine. Back in the days of powdered wigs and bloodletting, citizens were trying to grapple with a problem that has plagued mankind since its inception. How can we better kill one another? Sure, there were the classics, bludgeoning someone to death like a caveman, or stabbing them a hundred times in the gut a la Caesar, or watching them choke on a peanut while you're like, oh, oh no, oh, what are we, what are, I don't even, what are we going to do? I, I don't know. And if you wanted a more modern route, modern by late 18th century standards, you didn't even have to use one of those cartoonish blunderbusses anymore. Not with the advent of those fancy, more accurate, rifled muskets. But Sky, you say, what about rich folks? Surely they weren't so barbaric back then as to expect rich people to receive equal punishment as the poor. Of course not, figment for my narrative purposes. Rich people got their own type of sentence, beheading. Somehow, this was seen as the more civilized method, which tells you a lot about that period. But beheadings were sloppy. Contrary to what's shown in popular entertainment, it wasn't unusual for a beheading to require multiple chops before the victim was fully incapacitated. Executioners as well were in the Middle Ages seen as unclean. And though in later ages the pains were taken to destigmatize the role, it also simultaneously became less lucrative. So, essentially, the old world equivalent of a shit job for minimum wage. And what happens to minimum wage jobs? That's right, they get automated. Enter the guillotine. Nothing beats the beauty and symmetry of a good old-fashioned guillotine. And, of course, the guillotine came out of France. Because nobody kills rich people quite like the French. And what is the event which the guillotine is immediately yoked with? What else? The Reign of Terror. Very spooky. At war with Austria and dealing with insurrection four years into its reign, the hilariously named Comité de Salut Public, or the Committee of Public Safety, decided it needed to adopt a harder line. And so, for a 10-month stretch, from September of 1793 to July of 1794, the Revolutionary Tribunal sentenced 17,000 Frenchmen and women to death by guillotine, and the streets ran red with blood. And probably urine. It was gross back then. Now, I consider myself somewhat of a Francophile. 
which is still not illegal in several jurisdictions. I've read Les Miserables and been in Paris for almost two whole days catching a flight, so I feel especially qualified to cover this subject. Here's the nitty-gritty. To understand the terror, one must understand a man named Robs Perer. Known as the Incorruptible, Robes Perer rode into power on a tide of popular street violence. There were two main factions, the Jacobins and the Girondins. The Girondins were like, hey, guys, things are crazy, but let's not just start, like, executing people or something. And the Jacobins were like, executing people? Executing people? Holy shit, we should start executing people. Tens of thousands of dead people later, yada yada yada, we got Napoleon, and here we are in the modern world. That's literally all that you need to know about that. What's interesting about the guillotine's image of bloodlust is that it was actually born out of an idealism that profoundly altered the course of human history. The decline of monarchism, freedom of religion, rights for minorities and for women, the first decriminalization of homosexuality in Europe, the tenets of democracy and equality. All of these were ushered into modernity by the French Revolution. It entirely changed the game. And the guillotine, as we'll see, was likewise another attempt to better how shitty everything was. For context, consider the period. Things sucked. Violence was the norm. Just take a gander at what preceded the machine. Spoiler alert, it was not pretty. How not pretty? The philosopher-slash-faux-historian Foucault, in his famous opening to Discipline and Punish, describes the torture and death of a criminal in excruciating detail. <clears throat> On the 1st of March of 1757, Demeons de Registide was condemned, wearing nothing but a shirt, holding a torch of burning wax weighing two pounds, then on a scaffold that will be erected there, the flesh will be torn from his breast, arms, thighs, and claves with red-hot pincers, his right hand, holding the knife with which he committed the said parricide, burnt with sofa, and on the places where the flesh will be torn away, poured molten lead, boiling oil, burning resin, wax and sofa melted together and in his body drawn and quartered by four houses, and his limbs and body consumed by fire, reduced to ashes and his ashes thrown to the wind. I do a really terrible French accent. But, I mean, hey, opening with torture porn. Foucault was nothing if not ballsy. Anyways, that's fucked up, right? Burning the offending hand with sulfur, drawn and quartered, even after he's reduced to ashes, they still give him a big fuck you. Like, okay, tone it down a notch, ye old olden times. Dude is dead. 
That was 1757, only 40 years preceding the advent of the Reign of Terror. So, not exactly like the guillotine ended some happy hug-hump land of gumdrop kisses. Now, what separated the guillotine from earlier versions, such as the Halifax gibbet and the maiden, were several key innovations. Most importantly, the guillotine replaced the crescent blade of the others with a slanting blade. Previous versions killed by effectively crushing the neck with the blunt force of the blade, whereas in contrast, the newly angled blade sliced the throat clean off sending heads rolling. Secondly, a lunette immobilized the victim's neck. And lastly, a release mechanism on the side sent the blade falling with a flick of the wrist. So simple, a child could use it. Like a gun. The guillotine came out following an assembly debate about the penal code, in which Dr. Joseph Ignace Guillotin stood up and proposed six points. <coughs> Y'all ready for this? One, that offenses of the same kind shall be punished by the same kind of penalty. Two, in all cases where the law imposes the death penalty on an accused person... Okay, okay. That is way more boring than torture porn. Long story short, Dr. Guillotin was one of the main advocates for making punishments less, you know, fucked up. That instead of torture, we should just kill a man and be done with it. You know, the not fun way. And because the machine is named after him, it also stands to reason that he designed, patented, and marketed the aforementioned machine, getting ironically rich in the process, right? Wrong. The guillotine was invented by some French surgeon and a German engineer. Which makes sense when you think about it. A surgeon would understand the dynamics of slicing through bone, and a German would want to murder French people. Then, poor Dr. Guillotin got his surname fixed to the machine by the media, and the rest, as they say, is history. Well, Unless you're a descendant of Guillotin, then the struggle is still pretty real. Ironically, Guillotin didn't even like the death penalty. He hoped a quick death might be the first steps towards abolishing it altogether. Can you imagine? You rally against popular opinion to better humanity, and instead, your surname is forever linked with the worst possible outcome of what you hope to accomplish. Uh, hey, I think sexual desire is a natural human impulse and should be expressed with love and respect. That's a great idea, Dr. Syphilis. I think in today's world, we really need more of a sense of community. Interesting point, Mrs. Juggalo. It's imperative we advocate policies bridging the gap between figures of authority and those they exist to protect. Absolutely, Gustav Search and Frisk. If only people had some style to show the duality of their personality, the public persona they present versus the internalized conception of self. Like what, Senor Mullet?
I got a hundred more, folks. I could go all day. But now, all the descendants of Dr. Guillotome have to deal with it as well. All because of some asshole named Rolls V. Spear. Essentially, the guillotine was a well-meaning attempt that heralded in a reign of bloodlust. And, aside from its symbolism, was it an improvement over the sulfur and pincers and quartering and hacking? Sure. But likewise, the guillotine itself belongs to a long-ago time when nobody bathed and people believed the human body was composed of the decidedly unfunny four humors. Not to be confused with the other four humors. Slapstick, satire, puns, and yo mama jokes. That it was, in essence, a barbaric machine from a bygone era. Who could possibly argue that it fits in our modern, more enlightened world. That would be Dr. J. Chapman, who invented the three-drug cocktail we use today for lethal injections. In an interview with CNN, and in reference to the guillotine, he said he's, and I quote, not at all opposed to bringing it back. That's right. The very guy who invented our modern method of capital punishment has suggested going back to the guillotine. Why? Well, when you strip away all the guillotine's connotations, you see that, put simply, it solves all the problems that lethal injection was supposed to, but didn't. The guillotine is quick and painless, so you don't have to worry about branching into torture territory. It's hard to botch. It's cheap. Plus, we're currently having a nationwide shortage of sodium thiopental, a crucial ingredient in the three-drug cocktail useful lethal injection, and states are scrambling to find any of it anywhere or be forced to use untested, alternative means. There is no need to order anything for a guillotine. You just slop, chop, scrub that baby up, and get the next poor fucker up on the block. Can I get some high fives? High fives, everybody. Woo! <laughs> Honestly, the argument for going back is about as cut and dry as it gets. And it's bipartisan. Folks as diverse as Maine's insane Republican governor, to the politically conservative Washington Free Beacon, to the Atlantic and Slate, to I swear I'm not racist, I only read like one, Andrew Sullivan, have all argued in favor of it. All of these diverse people in media all agree that if you're going to have capital punishment, then logically, it should be the guillotine. Its benefits extend beyond the death as well. Unlike firing squads or injections, which today require waiting 5-10 to 10 minutes before declaring death, an execution by guillotine means you can easily harvest and box the organs without damage. It's as easy as order to pick up Chinese noodles. That's a logical perspective, however. The other question is, why does it feel barbaric? It feels barbaric because it's bloody, plain and simple. But if your sensibilities are so fragile that you can't handle blood, then they should likewise be too sensitive to condone state-sanctioned executions. Because if you're rah-rah about the state murdering anyone, then there's just certain realities you gotta face. One of which is that the very least you can do is to do it effectively.
In fact, in the limited debate about bringing the guillotine back, some argue that the bloodiness of the machine might help work against the death penalty. That's right. Just like Dr. Guillotine thought two centuries ago. And who was obviously proven so right. Here's what Connor, forever you pronounce his last name, writing for The Atlantic, said a couple years back. I don't think Americans will be able to stomach it once they look it squarely in the face. Oh, yeah, Americans, who can stomach supersized Big Macs, dancing with the stars, keeping up with the Kardashians, daily gun massacres, Twilight, yeah, yeah, sure but they'll have a hard time stomaching this. To be fair, it was the article's ending line and thus necessarily punchy in execution. No pun intended. But it does underscore a common thread in this overall very tentative discussion about bringing the guillotine back. That once people witness the capital death they advocate in its most visceral form, it will somehow disgust them and thus demolish popular support, and, perhaps, in capital punishment, once and for all. What? Underestimating crowds in an attempt to socially engineer them toward your own idealistic ends is the stupidest, most often repeated idea in the power playbook. Because the real argument against the guillotine, one that these commentators have failed to consider, isn't that the guillotine might be a barbaric relic, it's that maybe it's far too suited to our modern time. The reason the reign of terror reigns in popular imagination wasn't because it was bloody. Humanity is seeped in blood. Off the top of your head, could you tell me what caused the St. Bartholomew's Massacre in 1571? That was about 10,000 Huguenots, also in France. Or what about the principal players in La Semaine Sanglante, The Bloody Week, in 1871? Also France, with estimates anywhere between 10,000 to 20,000 dead. And not over a span of 10 months, as with the Reign of Terror. The Bloody Week. And there are other examples, just as bad, that don't occupy our imagination quite like the Terror. So why does it? Because it was different. Because the guillotine was new. And it wasn't the blood it spilt, but the efficiency of its ruthlessness. For some reason, violence which is cold and systemized horrifies us in a very particular way. Just think of the Nazis in their gas chambers, or the Khmer Rouge with their killing fields, or the Terminator, who... Yeah, he only wanted to kill one person, but he was literally a cold metal system. Okay. That's a lot of death. Let's take a quick pause and think about puppies. Little fat ones running together. Oh, look at those little fluff nuggets of sunshine bought after a little one nut all with a little puppy breath. Oh, you little puppy. Oh, you little doll. And we're back. We live in the age of statistics. Big data has dawned and it will only increase in scope and influence. Efficiency is our fetish, and efficiency, when it takes a turn towards evil, is very bad. The act of killing then loses its morality, its consequence, its historical context, 
and instead becomes a problem of numbers. When people become numbers, they're made nameless, and their humanity reduced to a spreadsheet. We don't need some evil big brother to make us shitty people. We're there. We just need a thumbs up. We don't have to care about the consequences. You don't believe me? Go read the comment section of any non-porn website. Humanity is the worst. You think the guillotine will appall our current populace? Please. They will love it. We'll fucking guillotine everybody. Post it on YouTube, take a sip of our Big Gulp, then caption it with some unintelligible comment about immigrants. That's what we've become. And if that's the case, it's probably what we deserve. So, let the bloodlust begin. Oh, but before I go, let me leave you with a fun fact. Did you know that after decapitation, a human head can theoretically survive 5 to 7 seconds? If you've ever jumped off a cliff, you know how long a few seconds can drag out, and how surprisingly fast the human mind could work. Try counting. One, two, three, etc. How fucking crazy would it be to have someone pick up your head, and they're looking down at you like, holy shit. And for seven whole seconds, you're just looking up at them, disembodied, thinking, that guy has got a booger in his nose. Thanks for listening to Mad Ideas. I'm Sky Joyner. Let's get some heads rolling.